This is a Pele Media Podcast. Welcome back to Jurassic Park Minute. Jurassic Park Minute is the fan podcast that chronicles and overanalyzes the classic 1993 film Jurassic Park Minute by Minute. I'm Kyle. I'm ready. And today we're here to bring you Minute number 47 of Jurassic Park. We are really rocketing along through this thing, aren't we? We are. We are indeed. I don't think I've really looked at the total minute count of Jurassic Park, but it doesn't feel like we've been doing this show very long. It, it doesn't. And I mean, here we are 47 minutes into it. That's... We're way into That's this That's a significant thing. chunk That's of this movie. That's a significant chunk of time. Yeah. What, what kind of action have we seen so far? Gatekeeper? Uh, we saw the Gatekeeper. And that's it. And that's really it. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of setup in this movie. If you want to go ahead and get into minute number 47 of Jurassic Park. Let's do it. Awesome. In the previous minute, we saw the goat raised into the Tyrannosaurus Rex paddock to absolutely no effect. The entire tour group got tired of waiting and lost interest. At minute number 47, we see John Hammond looking disappointedly at a monitor showing a video feed of the inside of the vehicle carrying Ian Malcolm, Alan Grant, and Ellie Sattler. Ian Malcolm has leaned into the fisheye lens of the camera and asks it if eventually they plan on having dinosaurs on their dinosaur tour. John Hammond says, I really hate that man. At 47.13, Malcolm sits back down and says that the Tyrannosaur doesn't have any set pattern or park schedule, the essence of chaos. Malcolm plays the drums on his legs. At 47.25, Ellie says that she is still unclear on what chaos is. Malcolm leans forward and tells her that it deals with unpredictability in complex systems and that the shorthand is the butterfly effect. Malcolm says that if a butterfly can flap its wings in Peking, then in Central Park you'd get rain instead of sunshine. At 47.41, Ellie motions with her hand that the whole concept has gone over her head. Malcolm reaches up and plays with a lock of her hair. He asks if he was going too fast and if he missed it. Malcolm asks her for a glass of water and tells Ellie that they will conduct an experiment. Malcolm says that it would work best if the car wasn't bouncing up and down, but that it is just an example. At 47.55, Malcolm asks Ellie to make her hand flat like a hieroglyph. Something out of the left side of the car gets Grant's attention. He looks intently out of the car. As Grant examines something off in the distance, Malcolm tells Ellie to imagine that the drop of water has fallen onto her hand and asks her which way it will fall off. And thus ends minute number 47 of Jurassic Park. So, yeah, uh, in this minute, uh, we get a lot of... uh, (laughs) interesting stuff about chaos theory going on, but I have to say this off the top. As the minute starts... We see John Hammond looking at a computer monitor, and we have like this fisheye view of Ian Malcolm getting up into the monitor and tapping on it, saying, oh, you do have uh, dinosaurs coming up on this tour, right? And John Hammond says, I really hate that man. The way John Hammond is sitting, he's not looking at the computer monitor at all. The computer monitor is almost completely cheated towards the camera, and the angle that he's looking at it, he's probably looking at just the corner of the whole thing. Yeah. And looking at that, that was kind of something. And it's not something you pick up on when you're watching the movie, unless you're watching it minute by minute in order to break it down right. and pick out all the funny stuff in it. But a lot of chaos theory stuff going on here. Now, a couple of weeks ago, you and I had an, I almost say, gentleman's disagreement about this minute. And it was my fault. I have always misheard the line that Ian Malcolm says about the butterfly effect. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. Talking, So he's trying to explain to Ellie the butterfly effect and says, you know, if the butterfly could flap his wings in Peking, we'd have rain instead of sunshine in Central Park. Now, that is a reference to the butterfly effect, of course, which was uh, if a butterfly flaps its wings on one side of the world, it would turn into a hurricane on the other. Uh, which is actually based on some science, which we'll get into in a second. But the way that I always heard that line, and you had to correct me on it, I heard he would be king of Central Park, not Peking. Because when I hear Peking, I hear either duck or China coming behind it. Yeah, and I yeah. didn't hear either of those things. So the butterfly flaps his wings in Peking, China, and Central Park on the other side of the world would have uh, you know rain instead of sunshine. But yeah. uh, the actual science behind that is uh, hurricanes are 
from uh, wind blowing across the Sahara Desert. Mm-hmm. Uh, wind that comes across, it gets heated up. It this giant, uh, There's nothing to stop wind blowing across the desert, so it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger really? and bigger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then it goes across the water, uh, which is sometimes heated, sometimes cold, and depending on that, it would actually form a hurricane out in the Gulf of Mexico. That's I how, did not know that. That's how baby hurricanes are born. Yeah. So that's uh, that's a pretty interesting uh, thing. But so the, that's one reference to the butterfly effect. The butterfly effect was also, I think, a part of a book written by, was it Arthur C. Clarke? It was a distant sound of th- excuse me a sound of thunder by Ray Bradbury, not Arthur C. Clarke. And the plot summary of that is that in 2055, time travel has become a practical reality, and the company Time Safari Inc. offers wealthy adventurers the chance to travel back in time to hunt extinct species. What does that sound like? Mm-hmm. So anyway, this guy goes back in time, kills a dinosaur, and then it goes back to the future, and everything is changed. Wow! Because of that one little thing. Like the but I think it's he steps on a butterfly. Is it? I think that might be where it comes from. Uh, and how old is this? When did this? This came out in let's see, 1952. You're kidding me. No, no. So that uh, wow. it was in an issue, a collection, the Golden Apples of the Sun. So it was like one of those sci-fi uh, collections. So it was very, yeah, yeah. very cool story. I think there was a movie made about it a few, uh, like about a decade ago. But anyway, so that's kind of another idea of what the butterfly effect is. So it can mean in many things. But it was also uh, Ashton Kutcher film. An Ashton yes, Kutcher that's right. film. That's yeah. where I know it from. Yeah, and I'm still so, waiting. Still waiting for Butterfly Effect Minute. Yeah, I <laughs> uh, don't hold your breath on that. So uh, yeah, I got a few other things to say about this minute, but I'll go ahead and give you a chance since I've kind of uh, oh no, no the no, mic. No. That's all right. Um, I, I do think it's interesting that we've got uh, Malcolm sort of breaking up the tension here that we've that we've had building with the uh, T Rex not showing up mm-hmm, and yeah. everything's been getting really tense and all this and then and there's nothing. There's been there's been no payoff. So we're getting you know Jeff Goldman coming in here and getting all funny and yeah. uh, doing his thing. Okay, the you know, bringing up the chaos theory again is one of the little reminders that this film has all throughout. We drop little bits and pieces here because it's so easy to forget what the hell's going on in this movie because it's just so much fun. But Gennaro has his little piece in the Jeep earlier when he's like, let's get something straight here, John. I'm, you know, and he explains what he's doing there. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's reminding us, the audience, the whole reason that we're on the island. And so few of us for that matter. Uh, we also get Muldoon coming back in when they're at the Raptor Paddock. Granted, his character has to be reintroduced into the movie, but he's also back to remind us why Raptors are to be uh, feared. Yeah, why why they get the emphasis that they get in this movie. And also just to remind the audience of who he is. And so here we've got Malcolm dropping in the chaos theory thing again. Mm-hmm. And it's going to happen probably more so than any other of those little reminders we get throughout. Um, in a couple of minutes, we're going to get something like Nidri, uh, the... Barbasol can sitting on his desk and things like that, just to keep you abreast of where you are. But um, I do think that Goldblum's uh, performance here is hilarious. I mean, yeah, it really is. Yeah, yeah. he gets probably my favorite. In this game. <laughs> well, I'm, I think I've said this a few times, but uh, yeah, he was such a sleaze. I think that's in the next minute, maybe the minute after that. But as we end this week, it's one of my absolute favorite lines in the entire movie. Actually, I think it's the end of tomorrow's minute, uh, but we'll get to that whenever we get to that. So, uh, you got anything else for this minute? Oh, yeah. The okay. bre- breathing onto the camera. Um, hello, do yeah. you eventually uh-huh. have dinosaurs on your dinosaur? Do- and then he, he gets up and like breathes into the camera. What the hell? What is that? I don't I've know. never understood. Why would someone do that? Is that like, uh, is that a way to test if something is working or something? Or is he, what, what the hell is going I, on? I think it's just, well, I mean, yeah, it, it would be. It's, I'm going to, bl- I'm going to breathe on the camera to make a fine mist on it so I can clean it off to make sure you can see us in here. So he's trying to, you know, help yeah. them out to make sure they can see him in there. It used to around, I don't know if it was around this time, but you know, maybe from the mid nineties to late nineties, hype Williams music videos, like for Missy Elliott and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. They always use that giant fish lens. I think uh, uh-huh. broad city had a pretty funny joker. <laughs> they used it on when they were cashing a check. Uh, but it, 
it was kind of a thing like you would there was a lot of fisheye lenses using like modeling and stuff like that i remember going to a shoe store with a girlfriend of mine at the time what the hell? and uh she there was this fisheye lens um used like in every advertisement they had for uh for like shoes and it'd be like a woman with her foot down and it'd be like a fisheye lens and she's like a giant oh, standing yeah. above it yeah. there was one with this shoe with a spider on it and this girl was acting like she was disgusted and spraying like spider spray to like get the spider to go away in her foot the hell and it was the story huge, going <laughs> it was done this huge fisheye lens i'm trying to say fisheye lenses were everywhere they start off with spike jones skateboarding videos like uh, the cky guys or whatever and then they just dominated everything for so long and i'm so glad we don't have them anymore Fish yeah. eye lenses, a lot of people getting up, having their faces in them. It's just kind of a weird look for a lens like that. It really know? is. Anyway. So. So. Yeah. Chaos theory. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we get a little bit of it here. We talked a lot about chaos theory so far in this show. But again, it's just kind of uh, how you have a complex system like something like Jurassic Park and how small little details uh, that are unpredictable can cause uh, down the line. It's like, yeah. like, a, like a domino effect almost. So. Yeah. And it's, you know. It's spelt out for everybody in this movie. Yeah. Here you're getting it spelt out for little kids who aren't going to be able to keep up. Earlier we had it spelt out, you know, in the, the VIP lounge scene that I like so much. Um, actually, it wasn't so much done in that. But anyway, Malcolm is doing this throughout the movie. Yeah, he's kind, it's, uh, kind of it boiling it down here yeah. to just kind of explain to everybody what, why he is there. Mm-hmm. Because it's been to this point, you'd be like, why is this mathematician That's, here? And I, I've, you know, um, applaud Spielberg and whoever else uh, is responsible for it, for boiling it down, like you said. It's not a big info dump all at once. Mm -hmm. They understand that there's going to be a lot of kids in this movie. They want this um, philosophy to, you know, for them to be able to retain that information. So they're going to do it in bits and pieces and make it easily digestible and do things like, here's a drop of water. Anyone can understand that. Not Mm -hmm. everybody can understand the technical jargon of it. So yeah, makes it easier for people like me. (laughs) <laughs> all right well you got anything else for this minute no, that's it this is kind of it for me as well uh we'll be back tomorrow with uh, a minute that has some pretty good lines in it i think and some pretty great acting from jeff goldblum so yeah uh, so cool but hey you ready to go ahead and get out of here let's do it awesome folks we'll be back tomorrow and uh we'll let you know a little bit more about uh, water rolling off of ellie's hand so until that time i'm kyle i'm Rick. hold on to your butts jurassic park minute is a fan-supported podcast if you like the podcast, then leave us a review on iTunes. You can contact us at JurassicParkMinute at gmail.com and visit us online at JurassicParkMinute.com, Facebook.com slash JurassicParkMinute, and Twitter.com slash JurassicMinute. You've been listening to a Pele Media Podcast. For premium content and exclusive podcasts, visit us at Patreon.com slash Media. Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash and follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash